travel that over the, next, the course of this year. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 21, all the way down through verse 34. And the title of the message this morning is that ministry is for everyone, everywhere. Ministry is for everyone, everywhere. And so as we walk through Jesus' life and see the kind of ministry that he was a part of, we're going to find that that ministry is something that we all need to be a part of. And it's not confined to a specific place or a specific time or a specific type of circumstance. But ministry, it doesn't happen just in this church building. And I say building because, of course, we all know that the, the church is the body of believers that make up this bod, this church, okay? And so this is just a building. And in fact, in, in just a little while, the church is going to be dismissed out into the city of Casper to make a difference. And ministry doesn't just stop here. We should never have the mindset that this is all, this is the only place that we're at, okay? That the, the only place that we can do ministry is here at this church building. In fact, when we close and we say amen and, and we go out, it should continue on. It shouldn't just end with our closing song. And as Christians, we're called to go and be the light into the darkness. And if the Holy Spirit lives within you, then everywhere you go, Christ is on the move. And so as we look at this topic that ministry can happen anywhere, we have to really grab hold of this perspective that because it can happen anywhere, all of us need to be a part of that. We are responsible as ministers of the gospel on behalf of the, our Lord and Savior. Wherever we go, whenever the Holy Spirit leads us, we're to share and minister. And I heard a story of a, a, a camp that was having this competition. It was based off of James chapter 2. This passage where it says faith without works is dead. And the competition was this idea of they're going to split up into groups. And then they were going to go out to these different stations. And at the different stations, they would try to accomplish the task at the station. And when they accomplished the task, then they would be given an item. And, of course, when you tell teenagers it's a competition, everybody's getting riled up. Yeah, you know, they're chest bumping and high-fiving. We're like, all right, our team's going to be the winning team. And, and so they're getting ready to go, and they want to be the winning team. And, and so when it's, they say, on your mark, get set, go, of course, they wildly tear out of the chapel. Okay? And they're heading to their different stations, and, and as they go to the stations, they accomplish the task. And at one of the stations, after they get done with the task, they're given a wrench. And they're looking at it like, well, what's this wrench for? And they're like, you're going to need that later. That's all that was told to them. You're going to need that later. So they put it in their bag, and they take off to the next station. And they get to the next station, and they accomplish that task. And once they accomplish that task, then they're given a bottle of water. Once again, like, what are this for? You're going to need it later. All right? And, and so they continue on, and as they're running kind of back and forth across the camp, uh, they, they go to another station. And this station, they accomplish the task, and they're given a bag of food. And all the while, as they're going back and forth across the camp, they have staged these different camp counselors that are kind of dressed up. And one of the guys is dressed up as a mechanic, and, and he's underneath a pickup truck with a hood up. And he, as kids are running past in this whole competition, he's upset. He's, oh, man, he's yelling out, ah, I forgot the wrench that I need to, to crank this bolt open. 
you know, to, un, un, to loosen this bolt up. And he's, every time kids are passing by, he's saying this kind of same line over, man, I, I sure wish I had a wrench that I could get this bolt off with. He's under the truck. And, and as kids are running by, it's the story goes that some of the kids, they're, they're just so excited to, to win this competition that as they're running by, they're kind of thinking, well, that's weird. It sounds like he needs the, the tool that we have. Huh. Oh, well. And they take off running, right? Because they want to win the competition. And as the, the story continues on, there's a, other counselors that are dressed up as just kind of uh, a couple that was passing through, and, and they're kind of holding the sign down as they're talking with another stage counselor. And as they're talking, their sign is, it reads, hungry, anything will help. And as they continue to run back and forth, station to station, they, they pass by another counselor that's it's doing a workout kind of away from a water source. And he's like, oh, man. I sure am thirsty. I wish I had some water. And all the while, the kids are just running back and forth. And finally, the, the competition comes to the end, and they're all supposed to gather back in the chapel. They come back into the chapel, and they're high-fiving. You know, they're excited that they beat another team. They were the winning team, the back first, or that they had f finished before another team. And all the while, the, the, the leader brings in and says, everybody calm down, sit down. And then the homeless couple came in and said, we were hungry, and you gave us nothing to eat. And the workout guy came in and said, I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And the guy who was under the truck came in and said, I was in need, and you did not help me. And what I want us to see from this story this morning is sometimes we need to open our eyes because there are needs and ministry opportunities all around us that sometimes we're overlooking. And sure, there's going to be ministry that takes place here in this building, ministry needs that need to be addressed for sure. But Jesus cannot be confined to an hour on Sunday morning, amen? That's not the only place that Jesus is going to work in our lives. The work of the kingdom cannot be confined to 188 Valley Drive. God is on the move, and if, it, if Christ is in you, the hope of glory, then wherever you go, God goes with you. Ministry is for everyone, and it can happen anywhere. So when we look at this passage of scripture today, we're going to see two things. Jesus comes up and he's going to do kingdom work, ministry work, in the middle of a religious gathering. And then he's going to leave, and he's going to go into a home and do ministry in a relational gathering. And so let's read this passage again, or for the first time this morning. Will you stand with me as we go to Mark chapter 1, verse 21, all the way down through 34. And if you're able to stand, will you stand with us as we read? They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. 
The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, again, our desire as we come together is not to just check off a spiritual uh, ritual or uh, a requirement, God, to, to be together, but it's so much more to hear from your word as a family, as we read together as your children, your words to us. Father, may you speak boldly into our hearts and our minds that we would hear exactly what you want us to hear this morning, and then that we'd live that out as we leave this place. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now as you read these verses, did you catch what was taking place here? There, there's these two completely different scenes. One is that we, what we would consider a religious gathering, where all the religious people have come together and, and ministry happens. Then he goes into a home, and guess what? Jesus doesn't clock out of ministry stuff because there was this need. There's another need. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I'd write down religious gatherings. As we look at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, we read again where it says, They went to Capernaum. Well, who are the they in this passage that went to Capernaum? Well, from last week we know that Jesus called Simon and Andrew, James and John. And we read that on the Sabbath, what does Jesus do? Well, essentially, he goes to church, right? He goes to church, he goes to the synagogue, and not just him, but he goes with his friends, and he brings his friends with him. Jesus makes it a, a priority to gather together his friends, to go and meet together with other believers. And once again, he sets an example for us in this area of our lives as well. And so what does Jesus do there in the synagogue? Well, it says that he teaches. And how do, you res and how do people respond to that? Well, they're amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught with authority. Not as the teachers of the law, it says. And there was something different about Jesus' teaching. He had authority. Well, where did his authority come from? Well, of course, the Sunday school answer is God, right? His authority came from God. And my hope and prayer as I share message after message, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, is that you're hearing from the authority of God. That you're not hearing from Pastor Charles, because if that was the case, we're in a world of hurt, right? All right? You're going to be extremely disappointed. The power that can change your life comes from the authority of God. Of the word of God. Amen? 
You don't have to just read this on Sunday morning either. Guess what? You can take this home with you, all right? The, the authority that comes from the power of the Word of God is with us each and every day, and each one of us has the responsibility to share the truth of God's Word, knowing that it comes from the authority of God. Not you, but the authority of God. And as Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden a man who is possessed with an evil spirit, he cries out. What do you, what do you think that would happen? How that would go this morning? You know, what do you? Can you imagine that? You know, and he says, you know, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Wow, wouldn't that be quite the scene? Wouldn't that be quite the story to share with your your friends after church this morning? Someone just stands up and they just, I'm preaching along and, and we're going well, and all of a sudden someone just jumps up and just starts screaming at me. Whoa, hey, hey, I, I, what did I do? You know, and and everyone would be wondering what what in the world's going on, and and I wouldn't recommend that to any one of you this morning because we do have several police officers in our uh, in our in our congregation, and they they might take you down to the ground. Uh, but you know, this is kind of a crazy crazy situation, and it's just because this guy is possessed by an evil spirit, a demon, and you might be wondering this morning, well, why did this guy come to the synagogue? If he's demon-possessed, why did he show up in the first place? And, and I don't know exactly how demon possession works, but could it be that he was hoping to find some release from this demon? And I wonder how many of us have come to services with our own demons this morning. Addiction, depression, financial difficulties, marital issues, parenting problems, just things that are plaguing our lives and possessing our lives. And I want you to know you're, you're not alone. And you're right where you need to be. We all have our struggles. And coming to Jesus with them is exactly what you need to do. And this demon-possessed man cries out to Jesus. And Jesus commands the demon to be quiet and then to come out of him. And I want to tell you, that Jesus has the power to tell the things that are controlling your life to be quiet and to get out. We have all heard testimonies of how Jesus was able to break addictions in people's lives overnight. Testimonies of how marriages were restored when lives were surrendered to Jesus. You see, Jesus has power over the things that seem to have power over us. And the question is, will you bring your demons to Jesus? And so we see that Jesus did ministry in religious gatherings. And he also did ministry in relational gatherings. Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. You think that Jesus, you know, spends, after spending this time at the synagogue and, and doing the ministry thing that he did there, that the last thing he would want to do is spend more time doing ministry at his friend's house. But 
That's exactly what he does. And our human nature might look at this situation and think, hey, Jesus already did his ministerial responsibilities as at the religious gathering. He checked that box, right? And now he's at his friend's house, and they're just kind of hanging out. He should be able to relax, and yet here this need arises. Does Jesus respond by saying, um, no, this isn't my ministry time or location, all right? So you're going to have to come back later on next week and come to me at the synagogue, and I'm going to help you out maybe there in that situation. No, of course not. When Jesus finds out that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, he ministers to her by meeting her needs. Why? Because ministry doesn't only happen at religious gatherings. Ministry takes place in lots of locations, at lots of different times, in lots of different ways. And some of the most effective ministry happens in relational gatherings. And that's why it's so important for each of you to realize that ministry is for everyone, everywhere. Because I guarantee you this week, you will be in relational gatherings that I will not be a part of. You will have opportunity to minister to people, to to show people the love of Jesus that I won't have opportunity to be a part of. And in these verses, we see that the ministry happens in the life of a relative of Simon. And this kind of opens my eyes to the fact that, number one, Simon Peter is married, okay? He's he's married because he has a mother-in-law, because why would you ever have a mother-in-law if you're not married, right? Okay, all right? So he's married. And number two, the following, that that following Jesus doesn't mean that we completely leave our family out. As we remember from last week, following Jesus means that there are going to be times when we have to prioritize our relationship with Jesus over our relationships with our family members. But that doesn't mean that we forget all about our family altogether. And so Jesus shows that it's okay to minister to people even family members outside of those religious gatherings. Jesus was willing to serve during a time when most aren't willing to serve. But do you see how it affected Peter's mother-in-law when Jesus was willing to meet her needs? Verse 31 again, So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. She was willing to meet the needs of others when her needs were met. You see, when people are truly changed by Jesus, they can't help but want to serve him and others. And if you are here this morning and someone has to twist your arm to get you to serve Jesus or his people, then I think you're missing the point of what it means to be a Christian. If you are a true follower of Jesus, then it needs to become second nature to want to serve Jesus and others. And I don't know about you, but I can be very selfish more oftentimes than I would like to admit. But one thing that helps me be willing to serve others is when I think about all that Jesus has done for me. If Jesus was willing to do and go through all that he did to give me a chance to have a new life, then why am I not willing to get out of my comfort zone and help someone else out that might need my help? 
For most of us, it's easier to minister to people that we know, right? People that we're familiar with, a good friend, a relative, even a a close relative of a close friend. But we don't have to meet the needs of a perfect stranger, do we? I mean, that's not really what Jesus calls us to, right? Well, let's continue to read. Verse 32 of chapter 1 of Mark says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Well, I guess if we are going to follow the servant, Jesus was willing to meet the needs of those that weren't just his close friends or family. Are you looking for opportunities to minister to the clerk at the grocery store? Are are you looking for opportunities to minister at your job? Are you looking for opportunities to minister at school or at a school event? See, this whole town had come to have their needs met. Can you imagine that? The whole town. As we read verse 34, you might be wondering, well, why did Jesus not want the demons to speak? Well, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that people were coming for what Jesus could give them instead of for who Jesus was. Do you catch that in here? They're they're coming because of what Jesus can give them instead of for who Jesus was. And, And so Jesus, at this point in his ministry, he doesn't want everything about who he is to be broadcasted. He knew that if the word got out about who he was and what he could do, then he wouldn't be able to meet the spiritual needs of the people as effectively because the people would only want their physical needs met. And so I wonder this morning, how many of us today are more concerned about what Jesus can do for me physically Than what he can do for me spiritually. Jesus knew that ministering to people's physical needs was necessary. But ministering to people's spiritual needs was more important. When was the last time you tried to minister to the spiritual needs of those in a relational gathering? When was the last time you thought of your neighborhood as a ministry outpost? Do you know your neighbors around you? Eight houses closest to you on both sides and across the street. Even if you live out in the country, I've heard some great stories of many of you that live out in the country that have taken the time to get to know your neighbors. Do you know their names? Do you know where they're at spiritually? And I'm I'm asking myself these very same questions. Because I know some of my neighbors, and some of them I don't know very well at all. Do we care enough? about the eternal destination of those who live around us to invite them into our homes? Because guess what? Many of our neighbors, they aren't willing to come to the front doors of this building, but they are willing to come to the front door of our houses. And I love the ministry that takes place in this building, but we can't limit God to doing ministry only when we gather here. Let's get on our knees and and seek God's guidance when it comes to ministering to those outside these walls. 
And as we sing a, a song of invitation in just a moment, the questions that I want to leave you with this morning are very simple. The title of the message again is, Ministry is for Everyone, Everywhere. And so, how will you minister to others at religious gatherings this week? And how will you minister to others in relational gatherings this week? And if you know that you need to, for the very first time, make PV your church home so that you can better serve alongside this body of believers, I would ask that you would come in just a moment as we sing our song of invitation. If, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you need to do that today so that you can begin to minister to others with the power and love of Jesus in your life, then I would ask you to come as we stand, as we sing our song of invitation. May we be willing to follow the servant as we make a difference in the lives of the people around us.